2: Inside Sources.
3: Earlier in the program today, we had a discussion uh, with Brent Orell from American Enterprise Institute. We were talking about the jobs and the economy and the labor shortage and how that's playing out. And he raised some really interesting things in terms of a lot of people who had quit. I think everyone was astounded at the number of people who quit their job in August He said it was the equivalent of 4.5 million people, 3% of the entire workforce, uh, which is basically, if you think about it, uh, he pointed out it's basically the population of Los Angeles left their jobs in August. Now, many of them, of course, will be searching for jobs in a similar category. uh, And so many of them are going to end up staying in those same sectors of the economy and maybe get a little... uh, bump in terms of their salary or their hourly wage as a, as a result of that, but they're not really changing and moving up. And so we had a discussion around why is that? Why is it that we're not having a path for a lot of these workers to move up uh, in terms of their opportunity? And of course, there's, there's a couple of components to that. There's three, really. First, there's the, the hard skill uh, issue, and some of them don't have that or haven't developed those skills, and so they're not uh, really in position to qualify for another job. Uh, Some of that is location. Not all the jobs are in all the places where all the workers are. And so there's a a, a location issue, although that has sort of been uh, fettered out a little bit as it relates to the pandemic, because people have realized that, hey, I can work from home part time. I can go into the office part time. Maybe I can work remote. Uh, And so those things are going. And that leads us to where we want to round out our show today. And that is the mismatch in terms of the soft skills gap. And this is where I think there is a huge, huge gap. And we aren't getting any better at it. Uh, Really interesting. Speaking at Harvard University, a commencement ceremony, uh, Winston Churchill, years and years and years ago, uh, somewhat prophetically predicted the collapse of the world's most dominant military and political empires and that the world would enter a new phase of development. And the new phase... Churchill pointed out, would be one where creativity, innovation, ingenuity, and personal initiative would rule the day. Churchill said, the empires of the future will be the empires of the mind. That uh, should not have been more accurate, more correct. Here in America, we have been on a fast track of revolutionary development, technological breakthroughs, transformational products, personalized servicing of all the things that you get personalized now, and we now experience more change and more innovation in one of our 24-hour days than was created in decades of our grandparents' lives. Uh, That is an accelerated world. And in our fast-forward society, uh, I really believe it's the knowledgepreneurs uh, who are always going to be in demand. So these very things we talked about in terms of opportunity in the new economy, it's the forever learners It's the empire of the mind builders that are going to always be in demand. They're always going to be the most successful. They're going to be the most highly compensated people, regardless of what sector of the economy they're in. Uh, We've noted that the the shelf life of a university degree in a rapidly changing world is is shrinking. Uh, Some experts say that those graduating with a degree have about an 18-month head start in the workplace versus non-graduates, depending on the profession, of course. But regardless of the measurement or the advantage, the key for students exiting our college and our institutions of learning, they need to have an eye towards creating their own career, their own professional empire. They, they have to be forever learners. Uh, I maintain that the most important things that we teach in all of our education from K through college is the discipline of learning, how to learn. But more importantly, it is the love of learning. And if they aren't taking those two things away, uh, if they are so protected on campus that they're not challenging ideas or having their own ideas challenged, that they stop being curious, we've actually killed the very reason we have education to begin with. It's curiosity that keeps the republic strong. It's curiosity that causes us to break down barriers and live past stereotypes and perceptions of each other. So that discipline of knowing how to learn and then that love of learning. Uh, Sadly, I think we've overstructured so many of our learning models uh, that we're missing a lot of that. And this is where I believe the the real high-impact teachers and mentors do their most important work. When you create space for students to love the learning, while they develop the disciplines and the skills to do it well, to me, that's great teaching. That is great teaching in a nutshell. But here's the rub for me. We rarely compensate the empires of the mind kind of teachers properly. Uh, We reward instead those who do individual research or write white papers for periodicals. Uh, we, We favor publishing as opposed to impact. But teachers who transmit a love of learning to their students, uh, they they change lives forever. They change communities. Uh, I'll never forget uh, an experience I had with author and historian David McCullough. Uh, He had an Empire of the Mind teacher at Yale that changed his life and impacted millions who have read McCullough's works ever since Uh, I remember I was in Washington, D.C. We were in the Library of Congress, appropriately, and we had the chance to sit down with David McCullough, and he described his experience with this teacher who transformed his life. Uh, So McCullough was an English major at Yale, but he needed a history credit to graduate, (laughs) and he hated history. Let that sink in for a minute. David McCullough, uh, one of the great historians, hated history. He was an English major, and he had put off taking this history class. He wasn't fond of memorizing. He didn't like dates and locations. Uh, He dreaded taking this class. So finally he got around to doing it. He had to before he could graduate in English. But he walked into this large hall, and McCullough described himself as just grumbling that he had to go to this class. And it wasn't even being taught by a real professor. It was being taught by a graduate assistant. But the graduate assistant— Uh, His name was John Hubbard. Uh, He walked into the room, and Hubbard believed that the best way to teach was to show the students what you love. And he informed the class that they they would not be tested on dates, locations, or events. The class would focus entirely on the stories of those who lived and made history. David McCullough said, it was like a window was blown open for me. He said, in that instant, history was no longer a collection of facts and dates. It became an inexhaustible source of ideas. I love that. When history, we just talked about this unearthing of uh, Terrace, this Chinatown here in Utah, uh, it is an inexhaustible source of ideas. It's the power of ideas, not the idea of power that we've got to get our leaders to refocus on. And I believe those ideas are the foundation of an empire of the mind that obviously changed David McCullough's world. And David McCullough, of course, world-renowned as the the master of the art of narrative history. He's got to be the best narrative history writer we've had. Uh, Two Pulitzer Prizes, two National Book Awards, Presidential Medal of Freedom, Uh, on and on and on it goes. But more importantly, David McCullough is still learning and his empire has not only expanded to bridge to the past and the present, he's inspired many of us to begin our own work on our own empire of the mind. And so when you think through that, you know, formal learning and all of that absolutely critical, absolutely vital, has its place in preparing our students for careers, for life and for the business world. We talk about all these jobs that are available. Uh, I was really fortunate. My dad was one of the great Empire of the Mind Builders. Uh, He taught me if you wanted to learn something, go read five books about it, talk to three people who know about it, and then go try it and apply it for yourself. Uh, That changed my world forever. I was not a great student. (laughs) Barely got through high school. Uh, Stayed in college just long enough to meet my wife, Debbie. Uh, but I learned from my dad that if you love learning, if you're a forever learning, you've always got an option because you can build an empire of the mind. And so in, in every field, from engineering to mathematics to medicine, family living, vocational trades, even education itself, success and impact will be dependent to a large degree on recognizing that Churchill was right. The empires of the future are going to be the empires of the mind. I'm Boyd Matheson. Thanks for listening to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. And as always, as you go out into the world today, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that makes a difference.
0: A gun in the face.
1: Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today.
0: Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela.
1: They said, you need to...